Hello, brothers and sisters. I'm very happy to be with you for another new week of teaching. This week, we're going to talk about Jesus, our substitute. Jesus, our substitute. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let your wisdom and your revelation and your understanding begin to flow through me and let the anointing to receive wisdom, revelation, and understanding be upon the hearer. For, Lord, you promised, Lord, to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater and multiply my seed sown. For the word that I speak, it shall not return void, but it will accomplish what you are sending it out to do. For it is you that is at work within me, both to will and to do, of your good pleasure. I commit this work unto you and cause my thoughts to be established in the name of the Lord Jesus. Leviticus, the first chapter at verse one, it says, and the Lord called Moses, called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, he let him offer a male. God was very specific. Let him offer a male without blemish. The reason he was so specific, because these things are allegories and types and shadows of the things to come. We're talking about Jesus, our substitute. So the offering, let him offer a male. This is Leviticus, the first chapter, verse three. Let him offer a male without blemish. Now this. This thing that he's going to offer of the herd, he can't be, you know, disfigured or have any kind of blemishes. He got to look good. It says he shall offer it of his own voluntary will. In other words, you're not made to offer this sacrifice. Uh, in, in New Testament vernacular, you're not going to be made to accept Jesus. You got to receive this offering. This offering got to come voluntarily. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Listen closely. So you got to come to the Lord, Jesus Christ, of your own voluntary will. Jesus is going to be your lamb. He's going to be your substitute. He's going to be your substitutionary lamb. You See, now listen closely. I, I, I want you to get this because we're going to go a lot of places this week. Listen closely. Verse 4, and he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Other words, the, the, the person that is bringing this a flock of the herd, this male from the flock of the herd, 
he's going to put his hand upon that animal. And his sins are transferred to the animal. And this animal is going to be given for the punishment of this person's sins. It's not that the person didn't sin. It's that something has to pay for his sins. And the way God chose to pay for your sins is not with silver and gold and money. The way God chose to to have your sins paid for or atoned for is by death. The wages of sin is death and the gift of God. Remember that word gift. Because some people make salvation works. Salvation is not works. It's a gift. See, that's why David, one place, after he had sinned, he asked the Lord to not take the Holy Spirit away from him. Why? Because his salvation was not based on works. See, it was based on a gift. See, atonement. But, you know, even under the covenant that David was under, the the uh the punishment he's supposed to receive for his sin was literal death. The 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 animal couldn't atone for what he did. Under under the covenant David was under, he had to die himself because his sin required death of himself, not death of an animal. But God did not let him die for his sin. That's why it's called the sure mercy of David. He received something that no one during his time received. Any person who did what David did was supposed to die physically. Not the animal, but him himself. But David received the sure mercies of God. God allowed his sins to still be purged by offerings and sacrifices of the old order. Under the new covenant, we have a better lamb. That lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your substitute. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna go more in depth with him just laying a foundation today. So it says he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Now God is gonna accept this animal during this dispensation for an atonement for your sins where the person don't have to die. All right, verse five it says he, he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. This is why the Jews or, uh, or, or the Hebrews, this is why they betrayed Jesus. See, the, the sacrificial lamb had to be killed in the congregation of what? The congregation of Israel. It had to be that way. And how did he have to be killed? Before the priest. Who who was the ones betraying Jesus? The priest. They laid their hands on him. Remember they slapped him? Yeah, they slapped him. You know, because why? Because the sins was being transferred to Jesus. They spit on him. They pierced him. See, they had to kill the bullet. See? They had to kill the bullet. And out of his inner, inner parts pour what? Blood and water. All this stuff is allegories and types and shadows of what Jesus was going to do for us. 
Now, see, so the priest, look, he was killed before the priest. You remember Caiaphas, the high priest, and all them, they betrayed Jesus. And Caiaphas prophesied, saying, you know nothing at all, that one man must die for the sins of many. And the Bible says, this he spake not of himself, but him being the high priest, the Holy Spirit moving upon him, made him say that, made him speak prophetically. So the bullock had to be killed before the priest. Caiaphas was a direct descendant of Aaron. So how many, uh, you know, I got a lot to say, brother and sister. Let, let's keep going. And he shall flay the burnt offering, and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in the order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But his inner inwards and his legs shall he wash in water. You remember how the Jesus came blood and water? And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep, or the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a meal without blemish. Now let's stop there. Jesus is our sacrifice for sin. That's why you get born again, according to Romans 10, by confessing the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believing in your spirit or, or believing with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Because salvation is a gift. And when you receive that gift, you must study the scriptures and begin to discipline your life. So brothers and sisters, receive the gift of salvation by believing on Jesus. Have a great day. Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome on this Tuesday. I'm very happy to be with you. I'm talking about Jesus, our substitute. Father, give me divine utterance, Lord. Cause me to speak the wisdom of God, Lord Jesus. Cause me to make known the mysteries of the kingdom, Lord. Cause my brothers and sisters to comprehend and understand everything that I'm saying, Father. And I proclaim and I herald and release the work, the blood of Jesus Christ upon them, Father. Let it be so. Let the blood drip in their inner man, drip in their spirits. Let them be blessed abundantly, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, brothers and sisters, I want to illustrate this week why Jesus is the way. He is the only way. Jesus is the way. There's many ways, but there's only one the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to God but by or through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not many ways to God. There's only one way. And the reason there's only one way, every religion know that a blood sacrifice is required to restore fellowship to God. Just, just go out, go ahead and search them out. Even the devil, the devil's religion requires sacrifice. That's why uh, he came up with abortion. Uh, you'll see him killing cats and dogs. They prefer to kill humans, which is uh, babies in the womb. And so all it is is sacrifices to demonic gods. And uh, you got other religions, they're trying to sacrifice to God. But God is not receiving that type of sacrifice anymore. He's not receiving the blood of bulls and goats 
He's not receiving that sacrifice to atone for your sins any longer. We are not under the old covenant. You know, if you read the book of Colossians, the second chapter, after Jesus died on the cross, it was a clear break from the old covenant, which God allowed you your sins to be purged by, by bulls and goats and lambs, animals, sacrifice. He's not allowing it anymore. The only sacrifice for, for sins now is through the blood of Jesus. Now, how do you get this blood, this blood of Jesus for your sin sacrifice? I'm glad you asked. You simply, Romans 10 and 9 say, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Let, let me just go to it so I can read it uh, verbatim so that no one will miss it. Give me one second. It says, if thou, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, the heart means your spirit, your inner man. This is how you get born again. This is how you get your sins paid for. This is how you have eternal life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart are your spirit, your inner man. Man believe it unto righteousness. So when your inner man get changed by believing on Jesus, you become a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. So for with the heart man believe it unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why you got to study the word to find out what do you have now that you are a born-again Christian because you're going to have to use your mouth to confess to get salvation in every area, salvation in, in areas of your body because by his stripes you were healed. See, Jesus did a lot of things. He became your substitute. He's done a lot of things for you, and I'm, I want to reveal some of these things this week. So it says, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, Christianity is called the great confession. Anything that you get from God, it starts with a confession. It starts with a powerful confession, with a consistent confession. Hold fast to your confession without wavering. So you have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to start confessing that you are saved. A lot of people confess, but they don't spend enough time confessing that they're born again, that they're a child of God. If you don't confess that you're a child of God, you're going to continue to act like the devil. And eventually you will confess that you're not a child of God. You will start confessing that you are backslide. If when you get born again, you don't have a great confession. You know, when David missed it, he never said he was a backslide. He said, he repented and said, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You know what I'm saying? It's for a reason. Somebody told me recently they was a backslider. But I believe if that person had the right teaching, God could have intervened and kept them in fellowship. See, just because you miss it, that don't mean you're a backslider. I have never read about being a backslider in the new, new covenant. You know, God referred to the word backslider talking about Israel. He said, oh, backsliding Israel. Well, they was worshiping idols. Well, you becoming a Christian don't mean you won't ever miss it. Now, I would like to uh, tell you you'll never miss it. I wish that was true, but if I told you that, I'd probably be telling you a lie. And if somebody who's a Christian told you they never miss it, they're lying. I said it plain, didn't it? They've missed it. 
but they're not lost. They're not a sin, sinner. No, they say because they have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and believed in our heart. Now, I will tell you a problem. You got a lot of people that never believed in their heart. That's why they life, their life never changed. You know, they played with they playing with it. You know, they wanted to say, well, I got eternal life and have salvation, but they never took the time to discipline and sanctify their life. I'm not talking about those people. You know who you are. If you're like that, you know you're like that. But I'm talking about the people who are trying their best, you know, to, to walk with the Lord and have a pure heart towards the Lord. You know, now they're born again. David did, like I said, he did wrong, but he had sure mercy. He walked with the Lord. He 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 was constantly writing about the Lord. He was constantly praying and fasting. He was he was a man that was dedicated to doing right before the Lord. So with the heart, man believing unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not be ashamed. Verse 12 says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that called upon him. God is extending salvation to anybody. You can be a Muslim. You can be a Buddhist. You can be whoever. Gay, straight, it don't matter. God is extending salvation to everybody. Now, when you get that salvation, you're going to begin to read the word of God. And when you read something that kind of hit what you're doing, when it talks about things you're doing in the word, that we being new believers, we being new creation people, we don't practice this, guess what you're going to do? You're going to stop practicing this shit. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is stronger than a homosexual spirit. God is stronger than a homogenous spirit. God is stronger than a, a spirit of addiction. Greater is God that is in you than the addiction that is in you. Greater is God that is in you than the spirit of perversion that is in you. Greater is God that is in you than anything that will try to be in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For why? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a partaker of his divine nature. Now say this, say, I am a partaker of God's divine nature. Because the great one is living on the inside of you. But you must keep on confessing while you're practicing these things that you are a child of God. Now, I know that sounds contrary to what people might have told you or what you thought. If you're practicing iniquity, you need to still confess that I'm a child of God, that the great one is delivering me from these things. Keep saying it. Don't get frustrated and don't get tired of saying it. Because as you begin to confess, you remember I read a few few scriptures up where it says confession is made unto salvation. You have to have a powerful confession with your mouth. You know what you know what the confession does? It makes you believe that you have overcome that spirit and you begin to become what you believe. Let me say that again. Confession makes you believe that you have overcome whatever it is you're battling. And after you keep confessing it, you're going to believe it, and that's when you overcome it. You are, you, are, you are what you believe you are. You can do what you believe you can do. And when the word of God says it's like this, you need to agree with God and confess what the word says because the word is truth. He says, sanctify them through my truth. My word is truth. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in verse 13. Be blessed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Turn to the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and we're going to start at verse 1. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? God is asking through Isaiah the prophet a question to us. Who have believed our report? Have you believed my report? What I'm reporting to you about the Lord Jesus? Do you believe that if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in in your heart, you are saved? Or do you believe that you're still a sinner? You might have confessed that before and you didn't start smoking and drinking. Do you believe you have to stay that way? You you see the reason you know that well the reason you think that you're not saved because you might have been practicing sin after you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I say to you this the reason you started practicing sin because you didn't believe our report. You didn't believe that you was actually saved. You didn't believe that you was a new creature. You didn't believe that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are being made new. Now, you might say, well, you know what? That might make sense. Well, you want me to tell you how to believe that? You need to say, I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. Name those old things. Say, this is passed away. That is passed away. This is passed away. And now say, all things are being made new. I am a new creature. I am a new person. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to have that kind of confession. See, when you believe you're born again, when that spirit try to make you do those old things, you need to remind your spirit or remind your flesh that you don't do that anymore. I don't get high and drunk anymore. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. I don't chase women no more. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, being, are made new. I don't do what I used to do no more because I know I am a partaker of God's divine nature. I don't walk in unforgiveness and hatred any longer because I have the love of God on the inside of me for the love of God is shared abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. You need to confess that in order to get the victory over it. Confession is made unto salvation. Verse 2, it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. It's talking about Jesus. And as a root out of a dry ground, you know, nothing can grow in a dry ground, but Jesus did. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. So how many of you have been despised? How many of you have been rejected of men? Jesus was despised and rejected of men so that you can be accepted, so that you could be loved. He took your place. Jesus is your substitute. It says a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So if Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he did that so you don't have to be a man or a woman of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You might have experienced it, but he went through that so he can deliver you from that by releasing his love upon you. How many understand that? He is your substitute. It says, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. 
you know, if you get born again, some people are going to despise you. They don't like you for no reason. Why? Because you had a spirit of Jesus on the inside of you. You will be despised, some of you. And, and you won't be extreme holly. They won't listen to you. You'll try to give them counsel, and they won't listen to you. They'll listen to the news media. Why? <clears throat> because you have the spirit of Jesus on the inside of you. But, see, you're not going to be in despair because you have his spirit on the inside of you. Listen closely. Surely he have borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So when it says he was a man despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, well, he was doing that so we can transfer it to him. Now, I want to make this practical. Or uh, to say in layman's term, I want to tell you how to practice what I'm saying or how to be able to accomplish what I'm telling you Jesus did. If you're feeling grief and you're feeling sorrows, you need to say, Lord, I refuse to carry this grief or this sorrow. I don't care what it is. Some of you might say, Brother King, you don't know. You can't understand what I'm going through. I probably can, but you just don't understand that I can. You don't realize that I can. But I want to tell you this. God is not going to write something in the Bible and he don't make good on it. If if you loan Jesus $100 and he said he was going to pay you back, would he pay you back? You would say yes. If you loan me 100 you knew I would pay you back. Don't you think Jesus is more holier than me? So Jesus ain't going to tell you he bore your griefs and carried your sorrows, and he's going to let you keep it. Then he, would, he, would, he wouldn't be right if he did that. So you, you say this. Say, Lord Jesus, you bore my griefs and carried my sorrows, and I give it to you. Take it in the name of Jesus. I refuse to carry it, Lord Jesus, because you did it. That's how you put it to practice. You have to say these things. Your, your salvation is based on your confession. Confession is made unto salvation. Now I said, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. So you don't have to be wounded. Say, man, I'm paying for this because I drunk so much, now I got cancer. Well, Jesus was wounded for your transgressions. Have you received him as Lord and Savior? Now, if you don't totally receive him as Lord and Savior, he wasn't uh, um, wounded for yours if you refuse to go all the way. If you think it's more than one way to God, this is not for you. This is only for the people who choose to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He was wounded for their transgressions, those who received him. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I want to tell you this. God will make good on his word. Let me say this again. God will and is well able to make good on all of his words. If he said, by his stripes you are healed, you are healed. You need to consider not your body, but what, what, only what God has said, you are healed. I don't care about your symptoms. God said you're healed. Now, are you going to agree with your symptoms or are you going to agree with the Holy Ghost? Are you going to agree with God? Jesus was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We're not trying to get healed. We're already healed. We just have to learn how to appropriate what he has done for us or how to receive it or how to get it or how to take it or how to confess our way to it. That's what you're doing right now. You're making it. You're putting what he has done for you to practice. 
I'm showing you how to get what he's got given you. No, he was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. You don't have to bear it any longer. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. You don't have to be in turmoil. By his stripes you were healed. You don't have to be sick. And see, in verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Everybody has went astray before. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus has received the iniquity of all of us. See, of all of us. You know, Isaiah was prophesying in the Old Testament. See, Isaiah knew that all of them was under those curses under Deuteronomy 28 chapter. If you didn't do it, your father did it, or your grandfather, or your great-grandfather. They did something that God told them not to do. And God visited the iniquities of the fathers to the children to the third or fourth generation. So we're not under that kind of um, curse any longer. Galatians 3 and 13 and 14 said, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He did not redeem us from the blessings now. We still have the blessings. He redeemed us from the curse, saying, cursed to everyone that hang it on the tree. And Jesus fulfilled that. He redeemed us from the curse because all have sinned and come short of the glory. That's why Jesus had to come and die in your place. He is our substitute. Why he became our substitute? So we could walk in divine health. Why he came out, why did he become our substitute? So that we could have financial prosperity. He told Israel there'll be lenders and not borrowers. But he said if they violated the word, they will be borrowers and not lenders. See, Jesus also came to help you in your finances. This is pure scripture. People think money don't have nothing to do with God. It has a lot. God plainly said they will be lenders and not borrowers. And he said if they disobey, they'll be borrowers and not lenders. They'll be poverty stricken. So, yes, that's under the curse. And he redeemed you from spiritual death. You have fellowship with the Father. I got a lot to say. I'm out of time. Be blessed. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And let's start at the 14th verse. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless the hearers of these words. Lord, help me to reveal to them that you are our substitute, that you are at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us now. And let me release your love, Lord. Release it, Lord, in the spirit, Lord, and let me release it by word. Cause them to receive your love and your compassion, Lord. Cause them to get a revelation of how much you love them, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to become our substitute. God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself not imputing men's trespasses unto them, not imputing them, not imputing your trespasses, not imputing your sins and iniquities. Jesus did not want you to pay for what you've done wrong. You might want your spouse to pay for what they did wrong to you. You might want your boss to pay for what they did wrong to you. You might want that girlfriend that hurt you in high school to pay for it. You might even use the scripture, be not deceived, God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Now that is true. But you know, Jesus really desired that a man repent. He don't desire for a man to reap what he's sown. How many understand that? That is for the person who refused to repent. If you read Psalms 103, it talks about he has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. <clears throat> Jesus does not desire to give us what we deserve. Even in that part, what I, what I quoted when I said, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Right after that, it says, if, if he sow to the flesh, he shall of the flesh reap corruption. And if he sow to the spirit, he shall reap life everlasting. You know, you could be born again and sow to the flesh. Yeah, I know people born again and still practicing uh, iniquity. Yeah. And if you get born again and you refuse to discipline yourself, you might still go to heaven. You just might get there quicker. Because you begin to reap that corruption. But Jesus became our substitute that if we will confess his revealed will and his revealed words, that we can get the victory over everything. We can get the victory over strongholds because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do you pull it down? By confession or prayer. Prayer and confession is the same thing. Spiritual warfare. Is, is a part of confession You know I'm saying the same thing About a hundred different ways You know confession is prayer And you know prayer is spiritual warfare Spiritual warfare is prayer And prayer is confession All of it go hand in hand You take the word of God And wage a warfare with the word You know Paul even told Timothy To wage a warfare with the prophecies That were spoken over him Do you know some prophecies are not automatic Do you know you have to pray it in that you have to confess it in, that you have to show the Lord that you know his word and refuse to let Satan take what's yours? Do you know Satan can get your debit card and go spend it, swipe it and, and get your money? But you know what? You wouldn't let that stand. You'll go to the bank and say, no, nah, put my money back in there. An enemy stole this. Yeah. You're not going to let people put cameras up in their house. Why? Outside their house. Why? They're trying to catch the thief. They want to watch that book. Well, you know, you got to be strong in faith, giving glory to God. We're talking about Jesus, our substitute. I'm getting that. Hallelujah. At verse 15, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 15th verse, it says, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, you're not living selfishness anymore or uh, living for yourself you're not going to practice selfishness any longer see you're not going to do all the time what make you feel good it don't make you feel good sometimes to forgive your enemy it messes with your pride it destroys your pride to forgive your enemy it destroys your pride sometimes to walk in love to love them that hate you to pray for them that despitefully use you but we're going to do it because we're not living unto ourselves. We're not walking in selfishness. See, he said, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, we living for him that died for us and rose again. Verse 16, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, 
yet now henceforth know we him no more. Paul never knew Christ after the flesh. He knew him after the spirit, but Peter and the other guys, they knew him after the flesh. Then in verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's me and you, he is a new creature. Now, let me ask you this. People will try to insinuate that you're in Christ and you're not a new creature because they might pick up some kind of habit you got that you should not really have. You probably shouldn't have it. You know what the problem really is? You don't know you're a new creature. That's why you have that habit. A guy that's confessed Jesus Christ and went to Sunday, suppose you went to church Sunday and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time. Monday, you might feel like smoking a cigarette. You might feel like drinking. You might feel like still practicing fornication. You know why? That don't mean you didn't just get born again. It means you had not yet realized that you was a new creature. You might still want to go do crack, a meth, a smoke weed. You know why? Because you don't know you're a new creature. You need to start saying what I'm telling you to say. You need to say old things are passed away and I'm a new creature. Well, I said it one time. Well, you still don't believe it. That's why you're still practicing sin. You need to say it 3,000 times. And then to register it on your inner man, you done, you done drunk 3,000 beers. You done smoked 3,000 blunts. How about saying you're a new creature 3,000 times? You, you've been drinking and smoking for 30 years. Say you're a new creature for 30 years. Give God the same attention and respect that you gave the devil. You watched the ball game and looked at your stories an hour, two hours, three hours a day for the last 50 years. How about giving God two hours a day of confession or going to church or whatever? All day I'm saying give God the same chance you gave the devil, and he'll build himself into you and make you act different. See, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are what God says you are. Say I am a new creature. Say that old spirit of infirmity that always keep me sick. That's an old thing. It's passed away. See, Jesus has already healed your body. By his stripes, you are healed right now. You're not trying to get healed. You're already healed. So the symptoms you're feeling, that's a lying symptom. It's just your body got to adjust to what the word of God says, and it will adjust if you hold fast to your confession. Hallelujah. And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To be reconciled to God, you had already be with God. And I done preached on that before, where you were with God before the foundation of the world in spirit form. What I'm doing now is reminding you of who you was before the foundation of the world to reconcile you back to God. Verse 19, it says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. See, reconcile. That means you was already with him before you came him. He came to get you back. See, you was born into a realm of sin and iniquity. It says, not imputing our trespasses unto them and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's what I'm preaching, the word of reconciliation. Now then, this is who you are. We are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, an ambassador is a person from another country in another country. So we're from heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he have made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Who did he make to be sin for us? Jesus. 
that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. God sees you as righteous. God sees you as a new creature. God sees you as an ambassador for Christ. Jesus is your substitute for sin. Be blessed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Yes, indeed. Jesus is our substitute, brothers and sisters. He came to deliver us in three areas to become our substitute. He came to deliver us from spiritual death. Jesus didn't only die on the cross in the physical body. He died spiritually and went to hell and redeemed the souls that was in hell from the first covenant. See, Jesus redeemed us from spiritual death. Jesus also redeemed us from poverty. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it said, Jesus became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. He, he delivered us from sickness. Jesus became sin. He became sin, and the wages of sin is death, and, and, and sin causes sickness. All our iniquities and sicknesses was laid upon Jesus on the cross, and he became sick in his spirit, see? The, the sickness was coming from, like if you read Deuteronomy 28, if you practice, you do certain sins, it talks about you'll be had a botch and uh, be messed up in your knees and uh, hemorrhoids, certain things, uh, sicknesses and diseases not even written in that book. That, that came upon people because they were not following God's revealed will. Sometimes people didn't do anything. Sometimes it was just uh, sins of the fathers to the third or fourth generation. So Jesus came to redeem us from spiritual death, from poverty, and from sickness. He came to heal us and deliver us from every area of life. Now I want to show you uh, that when you believe on Jesus, you have eternal life. That's why I'm going to read what I'm about to read. Let's go to Luke 16 and at the 19th verse. It says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fast sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now I just wanted to show you that when they died, they still saw Abraham. And, and, uh, and, and the rich man still saw Lazarus. So when he died in this realm, they wasn't dead in the spiritual realm. That's why I said Jesus delivered us from spiritual death. See, they died in one realm, but they were seeing one another in the other realm. Let me just keep on reading this, though. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass us that will come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, 
that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That's that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to stop people from going to a place of torment. But watch what Abraham said. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets and brother Derek. Now I added brother Derek. See, they see other words, Abraham saying they got people to preach to them now. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay. He said, No, nah, I don't want to hear who God sent. Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rose from the dead. So in other words, Jesus came that a person don't have to be in torment, that a person don't have to have eternal life. Jesus became your substitute on the cross. How many understand that? Jesus became your substitute. Jesus died, went to hell, became your substitute. He died for your sins on the cross. He became your substitute. He went to hell, paid your penalty in that other realm so that if you believe on him, you don't have to die the second death. Now, you might die the first death, but you have eternal life. John 3 and 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, that other guy died, but then he was in a worse shape on the other side. He was perishing on the other side. But see, he was he was dying the second death. But see, Lazarus wasn't perishing on the other side. He had everlasting life. That's why God gave Jesus, that he become your sin substitute, that you can repent of what you're doing evil and turn to the Lord Jesus with your whole heart, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and then day by day begin to work on yourself so that you won't go back, so that you won't renounce the Lord. Because if you don't discipline yourself, you'll get to, to a point where you start turning Muslim and you start turning Buddhist and all this, and you'll lose your salvation that way because you'll renounce the Lord Jesus. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. See, at verse, uh, let me read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Are you listening? but that the world through him might be saved. So whoever is preaching condemnation to you, God didn't send Jesus or his spirit within people to condemn you. He sent Jesus that, to save you from this mess, to save you from what you're doing, to save you from uh, torment, see, by believing on Jesus. Go to church, brothers and sisters. Make yourself go to church. You know, it shouldn't be that nobody go to church any longer. Go to church. Show God that you really mean it. See, make yourself do it. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hated the light. Neither cometh to the light, least his deeds should be reproved. See, God going to reprove you what you're doing. That's why some people don't want to hear the preaching, because they don't want to change what they're doing, see. 
You've got to come to him, but he's going to change what you're doing, see. But he that do it true, coming to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. God going to reveal what you're doing, that they are wrought in God, and he's going to change. See, now these are the deeds that are wrought in God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, hallelujah, 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When do they become new? When you stop doing wrong? No. You will become a new creature soon as you accept Jesus, and he's going to work with you, with your confession, using this ministry like this to teach you what to do to, to discipline yourself. That's all. And see, verse 21, it says, uh, for he have made him to be sin for us. Jesus became sin for you who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God has made Jesus to be sin for you, who knew no sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. Of Second Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now then he's going to begin to work on your finances. He's going to begin uh, to change your finances by you confessing the word of God. First Peter 2 and 24, it said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus Christ has already healed your body. You receive that by confession, by faith. All of these things as received by faith. You get saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. You get healed by faith in the Lord Jesus. You get finances by faith in the Lord Jesus. And your faith is released by confessing what the word says. You say, Lord, you said this in your word is mine. And keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and prophesy it into manifestation. I got a lot to say. I'm out of time. Have a great weekend. Be blessed.